0: Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the contents in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday.
1: You're listening to Catholic Baltimore. I'm Bob Krebs. Kristen Brown is an award-winning photographer and the creator of the Saints Project, a modern portrayal of Catholic saints. Kristen Brown is on the phone with us today from her studio in the Philadelphia area Kristen, welcome to Catholic Baltimore.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
1: It's a pleasure to have you here today. We're going to be talking about the Saints Project. Before we do, please tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, um, I'm Kristen Brown. I'm 31 years old. Um, Born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, Started photography when I was, I don't know, six. My dad did it. And um, I just Stuck with me all through my life. Uh, I moved out to LA when I was 22 and did a lot of photography work out there, headshots, models and stuff, but didn't really ever feel very satisfied, fulfilled by that. So I started to pray um, about how to use my photography um, to glorify God. And then Saints Project came to be about two years ago.
1: Yeah. Tell us about the Saints Project. You know, first of all, what is it? And then how did it come about?
2: So the Saints Project is but I call it a modern portrayal of Catholic saints, and I use digital photography and Photoshop and real people. So I photograph real people dressed as the saint that they're portraying, and then I use Photoshop to kind of blur the line between you're looking between you thinking that you're looking at a photograph or looking at a painting or looking at something that might be a little bit more timeless. Um, so yeah, that's what it is.
1: Mm-hmm. Now um and and how did how did you decide to do this or or, or how did it uh, come about?
2: You know, it really was one of those sort of light bulb moments. Like I said I was kind of struggling a lot with feeling fulfilled by photography. Um and so I was praying for about 5 years about how can I work how can I make this, you know, work for me and and God at the same time and um and so I was with my mom, and, and she had said something about St. Sebastian, and I just had this uh, picture in my mind of St. Sebastian as a photograph being, you know, portrayed by a person, and um, but making it look like it was an image of St. Sebastian from the time that he existed.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, and so then I, I started to look up and research whether or not it had been done before as like an ongoing series, or and it hadn't. Mm-hmm. So I just at doing it <laughs>
1: yeah i guess for our listeners who who haven't seen uh the the photographs that are part of the saints project i uh-huh. guess as as a way of um explanation I, I i guess when you first look at one of your beautiful photographs it reminds you of a holy card you know it's got kind of got that dimension and any, uh-huh. anybody who's uh, you know catholic or raised catholic will know what a holy card is it's you right know, uh, and you did that consciously correct i mean
2: yeah, it was definitely the style and everything of it was very intentional. And um, I wanted it to feel, you know, like I had a timeless feel. Like you weren't sure if it was a photo or a painting or mm-hmm. when, it, when it had been made or, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it was all very intentional.
1: So you choose a saint and then you choose a model and then you choose like a setting or a background. Um, let's take it one, one at a time. How do you choose okay. which saints you're featuring in the Saints Project?
2: Well, in the beginning, it was just um, people that I already knew that I could see portraying a particular saint Um, and that they had some quality that they reminded me of this saint or I had a saint in my mind that I really liked and was drawn to and I wanted to find the right person for that. And that's still pretty much the way that I do it. Like I, I look at people and I imagine them as a certain saint um, but then when I started doing like more series, like kind of the Holy Family has like a series to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that was just I used the same people for for that. Sure. So,
1: so uh, give us some of the some of the names of the saints that that you are portraying in this in this series. Do you have a <laughs> do you have a favorite saint? Or?
2: I kind of well, I have a favorite um, as far as the images go. There are some favorites only because it's hard for me. I look at it from a very technical perspective. Sure. Yeah. So I like the ones that I feel like I did technically well. Yeah. So St. Clair uh, of Susie is one of my favorites. I felt like um, the, the vision I had for it, it came through better than some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. I really do like the Holy Family images. Um, and St. Joan of Arc was one of my favorite saints, And, of course, she still is. So I, I really like that image, too. Yeah.
1: So if you're you're um, walking through the mall and you see someone, you, you walk up to them and say, hey, you know, you, you would make a great St. Joan of Arc. <laughs> does, does
0: it work that way? Or...
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm, I'm kind of shy and not very a- uh, extroverted, so I haven't done anything like that yet. It's, it's more like I have um, approached people through the Internet. Like, that's actually how I discovered um, Marie Cahill, who portrayed Mary, was on YouTube. Uh-huh. I didn't know her before this, and I, you know, I had no connection to her. I saw a, a talk that she had done, a pro-life talk, and I was just blown away by the talk, but also her face just looked like Mary to me. And I had been looking for a new Mary um, after per- after using a different girl for the well-meaning of families. I wanted to um, start over with Mary. and do it my way kind of and so I was like seeking that out and yeah so that was probably the funniest most random way to approach (sighs) someone about yeah
1: are you um, are you adding to the project are you um, still involved in taking pictures or uh, you know of of the saints like this
2: oh yeah Um, this year uh, I'm planning on doing 12 apostles Ah. oh yeah so I'll be going out to Los Angeles um, to start shooting I have I think five or six people out there and then I'll finish up the other six, you know, hopefully here or maybe somewhere else. I don't know. where We'll see where it goes. Yeah. Although um, I'm really excited about about that one, because it's very, very specific, and I think that it's um, a way that the Apostles haven't been shown yet. So yeah. I'm kind of excited about that one.
4: Do you research
1: and look at um, the way maybe like, like let's say saint john the beloved was uh-huh. you know, if you look and see how he was portrayed in in art and you know paintings and that sort of thing and then develop your your image for your photograph that way or is it t- totally different
2: no that is pretty much the way yeah i <clears throat> i like to make sure that especially with the apostles it'll it'll be more difficult because they're they all look pretty similar and they're all portrayed um for the most part throughout uh, the history of art that they were very old, you know, in a lot of images. Sure. Um, but in, in my series, they're going to be young, and it's going to be um, as if they were with during the time that they were with Christ. So those mm-hmm. few years that they were traveling with him and um, partaking in his ministry. Um, so they're going to be portrayed a little bit younger. But yes, I still uh, reference a lot of other art images yeah. to make sure that I'm getting some symbolism. If there's a technique like a, a specific color that they wear for some reason that means something, the way they wear their hair, something that they're holding or carrying, all of that stuff I definitely take into account. Yeah.
1: What do you want people to take away from the project? When people look online at, at these photographs or they purchase them in their homes, what, what is it that you want them to, to feel?
2: I want people, um, hopefully, to feel that the Saints are two things, um, relatable that they're human beings and they accomplished incredible things with their lives and devoted themselves to God and that they're real. And, you know, through the images of, of looking at a person, you you might be able to um, more closely relate those two things, that that was a real person. And also that they themselves can become a saint, you know what I mean? And, um, and to be inspired by the story. And also the way that they're made, that the images are... Are done in a way I hope that um, that is kind of a current and modern look, so that people feel, especially young people, they can look at them and and feel like it's something that they can relate to. Yeah.
1: What reactions have you gotten from from the public about the project?
2: Uh, mostly, really, really positive feedback. People have been been really supportive and encouraging. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really sweet and overwhelming and. Um, I'm very
1: grateful for it. Yeah, we we discussed before we began this interview off the air. We talked about how it it might be difficult for uh, for you and I talking here in in this format to describe um, accurately the beauty of of your fo- photographs because they are works of art. Um, but I guess the best bet is for people to go online and check them out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, how how can our listeners do that? How can they see? these beautiful uh, um, photographs?
2: I have a website. Um, it's called thesaintsproject.org. That's probably the best place um, that you can go, the most kind of comprehensive. If everything is there, you can look through all of the images, link to an Etsy page if you are interested in buying prints. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's probably why I put I put everything up on there.
1: That website, once again, is the thesaintsproject.org. Kristen Brown, thanks so much for being with us today on Catholic Baltimore.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: It was so fun. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm Bob Krebs.
5: Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. St. Thomas Aquinas in northeast Baltimore's Hamden neighborhood celebrated 150 years as a parish last Sunday. Baltimore Archbishop William E. Laurie was the main celebrant of an anniversary mass that included Bishop Dennis J. Madden, Auxiliary Bishop Emeritus, as concelebrant, as well as Monsignor James Farmer, who was pastor of St. Thomas for 14 years, and Father Sylvester Kim, the current pastor. After the mass, parishioners joined the prelates for a celebratory picnic in the basement of St. Thomas Elementary School. According to a parish history on display at the Mass, it was literally an act of God that convinced the Hamden Catholics, who were worshiping on a local developer's estate, that they needed their own full-fledged parish. The story goes that one stormy day in 1866, it was not possible for Mass to be celebrated on the estate for some reason, so three men struck out on foot for the Church of the Blessed Sacrament, approximately two miles east. Before too long, however, the men, James Morris, Karen Foley, and Michael McGee, again according to the parish history that was posted, decided in the face of weather that was getting worse to turn around. The problem was the three men then encountered two women from the Hamden group who were struggling onward toward the same objective, and the women did not want to turn around. So the five struggled gamely forward, and after the adventure, petitioned Archbishop Martin John Spalding to establish a Hamden parish. The cornerstone was laid by Father Thomas Foley, an administrator for the archdiocese. The parish was so grateful for his help in establishing the church that they took his patron, St. Thomas Aquinas, as their patron. Read more at catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Eric Zygmunt.
4: Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice a week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at CatholicReview.org. That's CatholicReview.org.
6: The season of sacraments is nearly here. First Holy Communion, confirmation, and weddings. Visit the Baltimore Basilica, America's first cathedral, and stop by the gift shop for all of your gift needs, from beautiful frames to crucifixes and crosses, statues, and one-of-a-kind rosaries. The Basilica gift shop has it all. Friendly, knowledgeable staff members can help you select the perfect gift. Also available, Baltimore's very own Mouth Party Caramels, locally designed hand-painted signs and jewelry, plus gifts for Easter as well as an extensive line of St. Patrick's Day items sure to bring out the Irish in everyone. Visit the Basilica Gift Shop at 409 Cathedral Street in Baltimore or call 410-727-3565 for hours and directions. Free street parking available directly in front of the Basilica between 9.30 and 4 p.m. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore
0: on Q1370 WQLL. I'm Bob
1: Krebs for Catholic Baltimore. My guest today is Teresa Tamio, author, syndicated Catholic talk show host, and motivational speaker who worked for many years in the secular media. Her latest book is a servant publication titled Beyond Me, My Selfie and I, Finding Real Happiness in a Self-Absorbed World. Teresa Tamio, welcome to Catholic Baltimore. Thanks.
2: It's good to be here. Appreciate it. I'm
1: really looking forward to uh, talking about your new book. Um, before we get started, tell us a little bit about yourself, if you would, please. I, I gave our listeners a little bit of background in your uh, introduction, but uh, if you could expound on that just a little bit, it would be great.
3: Sure. Well, it's it's been uh, quite and it continues to be quite a ride for me. I spent um, half of my life in secular media before leaving in 2000 to start my own communications company and speaking ministry. I was a Catholic journalist, I mean, I'm sorry, secular journalist, TV anchor woman, radio reporter, uh, working and, and covering the streets of Detroit live five days a wow. week. and never intended to, or never even thought about, because I didn't even know Catholic Radio existed, that to be a motivational speaker, you know, a Catholic author, and talk show host, as you just mentioned, it yeah. was not, uh, you know, in my agenda, on my agenda at all. I thought I would just, um, you know, be very content staying in the secular news media, but God had other plans, and when I came back to my faith, I had a very strong reversion, uh, almost, well, let's say, 22, 23 years ago, I just felt that I had to leave and, and come and do what I could for the Lord, and it's been an amazing ride ever since. But a lot of what I talk about, as I do in this book, Me, Me, Myself, and I, has to do with my background, understanding the media, not only how it works. I'm not just talking about the news media. I'm talking about the culture and how it affects us. A lot of it comes from my professional experience, but also from my own personal experience and my journey back to the Church because I was greatly affected by the messages in the industry for which I was working, and so I have a unique perspective on it, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So how did the idea of this book come about?
3: Well, it was it, if you uh, read the beginning of the book, it's, it comes from something that hit me like a ton of bricks. My husband is a deacon in the Catholic Church, and so we often find ourselves, we're both 100% Italian-American. We often, uh, for both our faith and my husband uh, being involved in the diaconate, traveled to Italy for vacation and for faith reasons, and we were in Italy, Um, In 2014, this was May of 2014, and we were getting ready to lead a pilgrimage. We were in northern Italy. We were getting ready to meet a group uh, in the Turin area for the Shroud, for the uh, second showing of the Shroud that they had two years ago. Mm -hmm. And we were up in the um, Lake District on Lake Garda, which is a beautiful part of Italy. And so we go take this this, um, cable car up a mountainside to go to the top of Mount Baldo, which is this beautiful location where you can see a good chunk of the Lake District and the Alps and whatnot. And so we get there. And everybody is all excited, and people from all over the world, you know, a large group were gathering. And there was this one couple, I'm not sure where they were from, they didn't speak English, they, I, I think they were speaking not Italian, but maybe German, but very um, young, attractive couple. And they were obviously either engaged or maybe even married, but they kept taking selfies of each other. I mean, from the time they stepped on the platform. <laughs> all the way up the cable car right now this cable car is unique because it turns around 360 degrees So, as you're going up this incredible mountainside it's turning so you get this beautiful view of the lakes and the houses and the treetops and the mountains they did not look out at all and even when they got off the cable car they kept snapping selfies and then looking at the selfies and i'm thinking to my to myself no pun intended <laughs> how could they ignore such beauty and only be looking at themselves. And then I started to ponder and pray about that as we were on this pilgrimage and vacation, and realizing that it's not the selfies that are the bad things, but it's how we become consumed with ourselves through these instruments that we don't use correctly. So that's how the book was born.
1: Yeah. You say in your book that we have a selfie-obsessed culture. Explain that, if you would, please.
3: Well, I think if we look back at at the fallout from um, this last election in terms of the way people reacted, now regardless, I'm not going to get into the politics of the voting, but it's all based on feelings, even in trying to educate my listeners on uh, what are we to look at as Catholics, right? We have to, we don't endorse, you know, candidates on Catholic Radio, but we have to look at the issues, and we have to talk about the Church teachings and whatnot, and people could not get beyond quote-unquote, their feelings. Everything was about their emotions. I mean, e- these are people who, who even were educated Catholics who were just saying, I don't like this, I don't like that, I don't like this. And I'm like, you know what? It's not about you. As Catholics, we're a universal church, and we're supposed to look at the issues from a much different vantage point. How is this going to affect the faith? How is it going to affect life? It's It's the big picture. And people, for whatever reason could not get beyond that in many cases. And I think part of it is because we are so obsessed with self. It's all about me. Part of it is because we've built this world that is only concerned about, as I say in the title, me, myself, and I. Mm-hmm,
1: mm. One of your chapters is titled The Unhealthy Trio Versus the Holy Trinity. <laughs> right. Uh, explain that, if you would, please.
3: Well, you know, one of the things that I had to learn when I was coming back to the Church was that it wasn't about my plan, you know, it wasn't about my will. You know, I always said, well, my will be done, Lord, and if you can put your stamp of approval on it, everything will be great, and I'll go to Church and check off the box every Sunday. But what I realized when I had my um, many, and continue to have my many, come-to-Jesus moments, that it's about living God's will for our lives and following not what me, myself, and I want, but what the Father, Son, and Holy Trinity have set Mm. before us. Because the only way... And that comes with the subtitle of the book, Finding Real Happiness. The only way we are going to be truly happy is to discover God's plan, God's will for our life. And that takes humility, that takes a constant submission and surrendering. It's not easy. I'm still challenged by it every day. But if we don't put God first, as in the Holy Trinity... We're never going to find that real happiness. What do, you,
1: what do you mean by rediscovering our true identity as children of God? Is that kind of uh, at, at, the, at the basis of, of this book, of what you want your readers to, to take away?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's at the, at the basis of everything, because if we don't know who we are, made in the image of likeness of God, and the fact that God has a unique plan for each of us, that we are all called Uh, you know, to to fulfill this plan, that then we're just going to be wandering. and I did it for years, and and, and what I like to tell people when I speak, not only on this book, but when I give my talks and my testimony is, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. I mean, I bought into it, and my husband and I tell this in our marriage testimony, our reversion journey, which happened together. He came back first, I came back to the church after about a year later, but I was so consumed in terms of what I thought the world was telling me to do. I was very career-oriented, I was a radical feminist, I sacrificed a lot and almost lost my marriage and more importantly, my soul, for putting my desires, my career, it had to be all about me and mm. being the anchor woman and the reporter and winning this Emmy or that Emmy or whatever. And I got so lost in that world that I barely found my way out.
1: So what are some of the tools to help families and individuals be less self-centered that you um, that you offer in your book?
3: Number one, practice your faith. Make sure you have that relationship with the Lord. Ask the Lord to show you, to reveal himself, uh, to come into your life in a big way, and to come into your heart, practice your faith with a great love, practice it at home, and then, you know, slow down with the media and be careful how you use the media. Those are two things I think that can make a huge difference.
1: <laughs> so what do you want your readers to get out of the book? What's, what's the bottom line here?
3: The bottom line is that the only way we're going to find happiness is knowing who we are in Christ. That, that is a message that I, I talk about all the time, because until I had a relationship with Christ, nothing really made a lot of sense. I, I was accumulating a lot of wealth, a lot of success, a lot of awards. Everything that the world said was important, but I wasn't really happy. Nothing satisfied me. I was always looking for the next brass ring. And my husband and I were living our lives very similarly, although he's not in broadcasting, he's in engineering. He was also, and still is, praise God, very successful, and we're grateful for that. But we lost focus. And again, as I said earlier, it almost cost us our marriage and, and more importantly, our souls. So the biggest thing I stress is that we have to start with that basic relationship with Jesus and then, you know, to practice that within the beauty and the history of our Catholic Church.
1: What uh, type of reaction have you gotten from your readers so far?
3: Uh, It's been really good. I I think especially people my age in, in their 50s appreciate it because a lot of us are on Facebook and we're dealing with a lot of you know, this, this media obsessed culture. We're seeing how people our age, even though we may not be as, you know, technically technology advanced, technology advanced as some of the younger folks were affected by it a lot. And people, I think it's, it's an eye opener for them. And parents and grandparents are appreciating the information in there as well. Yeah,
1: great. Well, Teresa, the book is titled me, myself, and I finding real happiness in a self-absorbed world. How can our uh, listeners get a copy? And, and how can we learn more about your radio show and your, and your other work? Thanks
3: for asking. It's real simple. I have a, a, an updated and revamped website. It's just teresatomio.com and that's Teresa as in the great St. Teresa of Avila. Not that I'm as good as her in nearly any, <laughs> you know, good, good to tie her shoes, but I was named after her. And so that's T-E-R-E-S-A-T-O-M-E-O, teresatomio.com.
1: Beyond Me, My Selfie, and I, Finding Real Happiness in a Self-Absorbed World by Teresa Tomio is available at your favorite Catholic bookstore or online retailer and at TeresaTamio.com. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm Bob Krebs. For
6: 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the archdiocese of baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens 125 acres of rolling hills trees and beautiful monuments the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off edmondson avenue just outside of catonsville New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery, Bonnie Bray, or call 410 566